If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Many of you have probably seen the video of Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow in which she forcefully pushes back against the slanderous accusations of one of her colleagues who blindsided her with accusations that she was a groomer and somebody who sexualizes children. McMorrow identified herself twice as a straight, white, married, suburban mom, emphasizing how important it is for us to use the privileges inherent in belonging to groups that are able, by virtue of that inherent privilege, to stand up for the marginalized. There are two things I took away from McMorrow's stunning remarks. Three things, actually. First is, why was it so stunning? Because it doesn't happen enough. Second. This just can't happen at the state and local level. Third, we need better allies, men for women, white people for people of color. So let's make sure, let's raise our voices and tell everybody at higher levels of government, in governor's offices, in the House, in the Senate, at every opportunity to push back with the same kind of passion and righteous indignation that State Senator McMorrow was able to muster. For God's sakes, we need everybody on our side to fight. I can't actually believe I'm saying this, (laughs) but um, my next guest is the immensely talented, wildly funny, Emmy-nominated satirist, singer, actor, creator of hits like Girl, You're a Karen, Um, clang, clang, clang with Josh Hawley, (laughs) Mr. Biden, bring me my vaccine, a duet with Patty fucking Lupone, and most recently, the author of Playing With Myself, Randy Rainbow. Welcome. Hi, Mary Trump. Look, Trump and Rainbow on the bill at last. At long last. Uh, The reason you're here... The the one I prefer, the Mary kind. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm not really sure, (laughs) you know, people say to me frequently, like on Twitter or whatever, that you're my favorite Trump. I'm like, well, it's a pretty low bar, but thanks. Well, yeah, do do you have, does that irk you? Like, uh, I'm sure people must say the wrong thing to you all day long, every day. (laughs) It's, well, you probably know what that's like too. I do. That's why I feel like we can talk about it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, there is so much to talk about, uh, 
your career, the trajectory of the last, the bizarre, honestly, trajectory of the last five years or so, um, everything that's going in the world today, uh, the fact that things seem to be worse than they were <laughs> a year ago, which is kind of mind-blowing. You know, the, the main reason I wanted to have you on today is because your wonderful book, and I'm going to show it again, Playing With, with Myself just came out. Uh, and I really wanted to, oh, look, there's another copy. They're all over. So it hasn't sold out yet. You still have a copy. Well, I bought them. It's a sellout, but they're all in my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I know what that's like, but, uh, it's very early days. Um, so I just, one, want to talk about the book, of course. Congratulations. I know how difficult it is. Yeah, it was. It was certainly unlike anything I've ever done before, Um, but it was also immensely cathartic and super fun and way more emotional than I anticipated it would be. Um, I, you know, it's a journey, right? Graphically, I'm sure that you can relate. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for it. It's amazing what we don't allow ourselves to think about (laughs) as our lives unfold. Yeah. And then when it comes to a point when we do have to confront it and um, and also with the benefit of hindsight and maturity to the extent that one is mature, um, make sense of things in a way we wouldn't have been able to. And it, it packs a punch that really does seem to come out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's not like I hadn't been thinking about these things. They have been memories that have been lighting the corners of my mind as I drink from my Barbara Streisand mug. <laughs> I'm gay, by the way. Am I the really? gayest? Are you really? Yeah, oh, I, I just sorry. came out on the Mary Trump podcast. Um, oh, I, I, well, that's news because uh, it, I I thought you were kidding uh, in your Don't Say Gay video. No, it's true. Just to mock DeSantis. Let's get it's a breaking true. news. Gay. I'm gay. Congratulations. It feels good to say it for the first time ever right here on this program. It's hard um, to keep that inside. It's hard. <laughs> Well, I talk about that in the book too. That's one of the things. But you know, these so so these things were not things that I had not thought about, but I had never really explored them or really, you know, uh, kind of expanded, on, uh, uh, you know, or delved into them like I like like, like you have to for a book. Mm-hmm. But so it was it was some sometimes painful, sometimes emotional, but it's nice because it it packs it all up nice and neatly and you and and there's a lot of stuff that i can now move on from because right it's all here right yeah um and you know it's interesting uh, because we obviously come from very different backgrounds um however i a lot of your experiences as a child really re- interestingly as a child but also as an adult in the last four or five years, uh, res- really resonated with me. Um, one, because when you were young, again, for very different reasons, you you had a lot of difficult experiences and you developed this quite extraordinary and rich life of the mind, um, which I can completely relate to. So can you talk a little bit more for those of the uh, people who haven't read it yet, because it literally just came out, um, about how those experiences helped shape who you are today and your creative decisions, your professional decisions as a creative person? Because it's fa- I 
found the whole story just really compelling. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, I mean, as a kid, I was the, the fat, effeminate boy on the playground, um, which was not, believe it or not, the top of the food chain in second grade. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I would carry a purse to school occasionally, too. <laughs> they didn't like, the, you know, the other little boys didn't get me. I didn't fit in, so to speak. So uh, I, I, you know, I really kind of turned inward and kept kept myself as quiet and, and, and small as I could, but then had, had to escape somehow. And I really just lived in my imagination. And it kind of manifested really through... My, the fantasies that I would have really through musical theater. I mean, it's crazy that I'm, I ended up doing what I'm doing now. And that's what ended up ultimately being the path that worked for me. Because I'm doing exactly what I did as a kid in my, in my bedroom. The bedroom's like a little bigger now and I have slightly better equipment. But these are all, these are all just, I'm just, you know, playing dress up. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, musical theater was something that was... Uh, that was kind of gifted to me at a young age by my mother who wanted to raise the gayest child on the block. I, I joke, but I did don't know. Did she succeed? I think she Well, you, you tell me. I think she did, but she would put me to sleep. <laughs> she would put me to sleep with the soundtracks to, to Oklahoma and the music man. And, uh, you know, this is what was the result of it. Um, and that was very, that was very helpful for, for me. So, uh, yeah, I just lived in fantasy still do. I, one, it's a great place to live, but two, it's, it's required for one's mental health these days, I think. Um, but it, one of the really um, lovely things about the book is that um, despite um, what happened at school, uh, and I do find it ironic that you grow up in Florida, because um, I now imagine how much worse it's going to get for kids uh, I know. It's Thanks pretty crazy you. that that was where I grew up. My mother is still there, by the way. She can't wait to get the hell out. No shade to, you know, there are plenty of lovely people that I still am friends with in Florida. But, yeah, it's not going in a good direction. No, it's it's not about the people. It's about uh, the people they keep electing, sure. <laughs> quite honestly, and what they're getting away with. It's 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 quite terrifying because it is, it, it's becoming a template for the other red states, just as the... Uh, anti-choice, anti-woman law in Texas um, is, has become a template. Um, but you you were, it, it's not just that you created this safe place, but your mom really supported it. And it was just lovely, the the lack of, not even lack of judgment, but the support, the supportiveness, the, the um, understanding that that's what you needed and that's what you were uh, given. Um, and it's to, to read about uh, your passions and, and not just how much you love musical theater, because as somebody who grew up in New York, I went to Broadway plays all the time. Like I, if I had it all to do over again, I would somehow figure out how to be involved in, in, uh, Broadway musicals, because like, that's my, that's my thing. Um, but that it, it became, as you said, it became your, your, your career, your life. It's, uh, and you told this story about Josh Gad, hmm. who had a kind of similar trajectory, 
you know, he, he, you and he, um, had these, whether they were dreams necessarily, like, you know, you realistically thought that this was something going to happen. You were so invested in your craft and in the thing you loved, uh, that it's, it's almost like a miracle that it ended up the way it did. Yeah. And I talk about, you know, Josh, uh, probably unbeknownst to him until recently, I think I've kind of, we've reconnected recently and uh, I've kind of told him and I hope that he'll have even more of an understanding of my appreciation for him when he reads this book. But, um, as I talk about why he, first of all, performed in a way when we would, because we went to theater camp as kids. We were probably 11 through 13, 14. And um, he just really invested in his performance and his characters in a way I had never seen a child our age go for it before. So that, that you know, and I thought, I was like, this kid's fucking crazy. Can I say fucking? You can say whatever the fuck you want. Oh, that's so rude, Mary, please. Um, I don't mean to offend. I can say it. I don't, I'd rather you not. But, um, <laughs> and I thought, you know, what a fucking weirdo. But, uh, and then I went back to his home and we would have sleepovers and his room was a shrine to, to Disney. And he had this, uh, this passion for, for Disney. And it, and, and, and it was something that I recognized. I had the passion, that sort of passion in me too. And it was sort of a, a driven passion, but, but it, but it was, it, it, it inspired me to then decorate my room like Disney World anyway. So, but, but I realized, um, you know, ultimately what he was kind of manifesting his, his future had turned out and unbeknownst to me, so was I really. Um, so I really appreciated that in Josh and it's, it says something really to the power of, of that manifestation that we do for ourselves, you know? Yeah. And I, I want to uh, correct something I said. I said miraculous. I, no, <laughs> it, it was extraordinarily hard work. You, you know, you put in the hours uh, and you took um, opportunities that required an amount of courage that I don't think a lot of people can understand. Um, you know, as a student in a school, you were shy, you were bullied. Um, so not only to find your niche, but to, to take the leap and put yourself out there and not just audition for things, but to take the, get the, the role to get the, the main part. Um, I guess, was it Charlie Brown, um, your very first starring role or I, well, before that, probably the Hollywood Hollywood Playhouse where I went to theater camp is where I started uh, getting the star. And yes. Say it? I was the star of the show, Mary. Let's not. Yes. Uh, I meant in high school, actually. In high school, <laughs> I meant in the place in that was. School. That's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, and you know what? Actually, even before that, because in middle school and elementary school, probably middle school mostly, that I was, I was even more withdrawn and really, really shy. And that's when I was really kind of, you know, relentlessly bullied. And I would, yeah. I would, I would then land the lead in, in those, in those little, you know, musicals too, like computerized right. holidays and steamboat, steamboaten. Are you familiar with any of my work? Uh, there, I, I still have the albums. You still have the playbill, <laughs> the original. <laughs> of course. 
Um, but it was crazy. And I talk about how crazy it must have seemed for the, the students if they took note at all to see the shy little kid who was sitting in the corner through lunchtime and, and playtime. Uh, not talking to anybody and clearly afraid of his own shadow, suddenly standing in the spotlight at their afternoon assembly, belting power ballads in the school show. Yeah. I can't even explain it. But again, it's, some, it's that deep conviction. It was that something in me knew that the, I, that's where I belonged and I had a responsibility to myself, I guess, mm-hmm. to do it. And that, that leads me to what's really important in life. Patty Lupone. Oh my God. <laughs> you you had uh, yeah. I, and this actually like was such an incredible thing when I read it. You talk about uh, you're in theater class, um, and your teacher shows you a DVD, not a DVD, but whatever they were called, a VHS yeah, yeah. tape. Yes, I was born in 1996. <laughs> It was a VHS. Yes, of course you were. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I mean, this it's like, oh shit, I have to like all the references. I'm like, I'm so fucking old. Like, and then and then I taped it on the VCR. I'm like, oh shit, I should update this (laughs) or update the age on my grinder profile because now the jig is up. (laughs) Um, And this actually doesn't specifically have to do with Patty Lupone at first, but then it becomes, well, everything's about Patty Lupone. <laughs> but he showed you Sweetie Todd. Yeah. Um, and actually, it wasn't, was it, was it the original? It was original. So yeah, it was, it was Angela Lansbury um, and George Stern yes. in the original cast of Sweeney Todd is what I was showing. That was sort of my introduction to really to Sondheim. Yeah. Right. And um, I actually saw that. When I was negative fifteen, you saw the original 13. Broadway production. I saw the original. It was it was uh, Angela Lansbury and Len Cario. That's right. He was the he was before George Hearn. But the very same year, I saw Evita oh with Patti Lupone and Mandy Patinkin. Oh my god! And then years later, Patti Lupone was Mrs. Lovett in Sweetie Todd. So. Um, I have, uh, it was sort of this reading, reading that, um, and then of course reading about your experience with Patti LuPone, which we'll get to later. It was sort of, um, these two worlds colliding. Um, Sweeney Todd is, I believe the greatest musical ever written. This is why we get Uh, it. That's right. And Patti LuPone is, I believe the greatest Broadway star ever male, female, I don't care. Um, and if you were lucky enough to see her in Gypsy. <laughs> I was. Yes. In the play at Lincoln's, what was it? The I think they did it at Encores first and then it transferred to mm-hmm. Broadway. I saw every incarnation, yes. Yes, I, I saw it at least four times, probably more than that. Um, and just as a quick aside, I took my eight-year-old daughter... <laughs> And as we sat down waiting for the curtain, because I explained it, I explained her the show in very broad terms. She said very loudly, when are they going to start taking off their clothes? Oh, God. So clearly I didn't explain it well enough. Get in the car. You know, she was mature for her age. Um, (laughs) Anyway, that experience was uh, 
to me, the quintessence of what it means to be in the presence of greatness. Uh, her, the f- final number, Rose's turn, as sung by her, was I th- probably the single greatest experience I ever had. Um, so why am I going on and on about that, Patti LuPone? Because what um, else is there to talk about in this life? Really? There's really nothing else to talk about. Because, you know, there... And I, I hold up my obviously, no shade to Barbara, who is also up there for me, because I'm I am yes officially endorsing with my mug, Barbara. But go ahead. Yes, um, there's room there's at the room top for people. two people. Yes, that's it. But you know, so <clears throat> I'm I've no doubt you've had the same experience. You 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 feel like you get to know people um, through watching them whether it's an MSNBC contributor or a Broadway star. Um, And then by some bizarre chance, you meet them in person or virtually because of COVID. And you realize that they're actually exactly who you thought they would be. And it's just amazing. Um, So what I... uh, find, I, I don't know that I have, th- this experience has ever been topped. It was, I think my book had just come out. Nobody knew I existed. Um, nobody knew what the book was about for a while because Donald sued me to keep it from being published. Um, and you tweeted, we did, I, you know, I only knew you because of your brilliant videos. <laughs> you tweeted that if Patty LuPone recorded my book, you would lip sync it. <laughs> the whole thing. And she responded, I'm in or something. Uh-huh. Uh, so like there nothing ever top of that for me. Oh and I at the time I thought, oh damn it, I've already recorded the the audiobook. Shit. We should still do it though, Mary. We should still We should. But that I mean that led to something. Yeah. Right? You actually that's right. You, so you are the catalyst. I have you to thank, essentially, for, well, for you know, ultimately, Patty Lapone standing right here in the spot that I am standing now in my apartment and uh, and creating a video with me. But the, the really weird thing about it is that before I was doing these political spoofs or, you know, inserting myself into, like, celebrity hot topics, um... I did a web series for broadwayworld.com and part and one of the the, the gimmicks that I would do in, the, in this weekly web series was to lip sync Patty Lapone's audiobook for her memoir which is read by her. And by the way, have you have you listened to the to that yet? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I figured if you uh, to, to the listeners if you haven't, please stop what you're doing, turn this off and go listen to Patty Lapone's memoir. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm sorry. Wait until I'm this sad. is over. Wait till this is over. I get a little <laughs> excited when it's Patty Lapone. I'm sorry. Wait till we're done. Yeah, that's true. After, that's probably the only reason one should step away from this, but exactly. Come back. If, you must, if you must, then come back later. But uh I, but so I would uh lips I would put on crazy wigs and lipstick and I would lip sync to selections from her memoir, some of the most dramatic and uh, the campiest kind of uh, passages. <laughs> I never heard from her back then, but it was kind of like a you and Donald situation. I thought she was going to eventually sue me, but she did. 
thankfully. But the crazy thing is now cut to I tweet I send that tweet and I say because for my for for my hardcore fans who remember my golden oldies like lip syncing to Patti Lapone's memoir, sort of in line with that, I said if Patti Lapone reads your memoir, I will lip sync the entire thing. Um, and that ultimately led to her standing here in front of this camera that I stood for years and lip synced to Patti Lapone. Now Patti Lapone was standing in front of the same camera in my apartment lip syncing to Patti Lapone. So don't tell me dreams don't come true and we don't manifest our futures. Um, but, yeah, but you know as well as any, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so she ended up, she came over and it's all thanks to you. Is that a shrine now? It better be. I know. I was thinking of just shutting the room down and just having tours. Just putting curtains around it. Yeah. <laughs> Velvet rope, something. Like um, but it it's also a testament to, uh, not a testament to, but it, it, it completely, um, your story reminds us, again, that there is no such thing as an overnight success. Yes, you've been, you manifested it, and yes, certain things fell into place, but you've been working at this arguably since elementary school. And, um, you know, we're doing a lot of really interesting things long before um, the craziness of 2016. But what, um, what was it about that... <laughs> I mean, I guess in retrospect, it wasn't as horrible as things have been since, of course. But, you know, that insane Republican primary and then Donald's becoming the nominee that uh, sparked you because um, some of your work that came out of the horrors uh, is, is just brilliant. Thank you. So you, what sparked my... my uh kind of going in this direction, you mean, in 2016? Yeah. With the politics? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it was just, I was kind of just following the bouncing ball of, of the headlines and what everyone was talking about. And when I started this shtick of kind of forest gumping myself into the news, so to speak, um, I was do. it was mainly like uh, celebrity TMZ type headlines. And I was dating Mel Gibson for a while. And then I was dating Charlie Sheen. And then I was dating Kanye West. I dated a lot of these lunatics. Um, but <laughs> then, uh, so I was just, whatever was trending was, was my assignment for the week. And then 2016 rolled around. And for reasons I don't need to get into, everyone started talking about nothing but politics. So I just followed suit. Um, I'm not, you know, it wasn't my idea to go political. Mm -hmm. uh, it just sort of was, uh, it was, it just came to me, you know? Well, thankfully it did because um, the times got increasingly dark. Um, and then when COVID came and lockdown came, it was, often unbearable. And the fact that uh, you were one of the very few people who could um, come at what we were all facing with wit and humor, um, sometimes black <laughs> humor, sometimes dry humor, uh, was really, um, I mean, the only, the only uh, complaint I would have is that you weren't doing them every day. I mean, come on, slacker. Like, why did you make us wait? I know. 
It's very hard. I really am a one-man band. I wish I could put them out every day, but it's hard. Well, that's that's the other thing that I don't think a lot of people know or knew, that it literally was you. Yeah, just me. uh, Just you. You're, you know, you, um, a laptop, uh, costumes, props, video clips. I mean... It's sort of uh, hard to fathom. I, you know, I don't consider myself a Luddite by any stretch of the imagination, but I can't even imagine not, you know, not only not being able to come up with the the concept, but even knowing where to start. So had you had a background in that or did you just learn everything on the fly? I, I taught myself everything just by watching YouTube tutorials. You know, I I'm not, I don't consider myself technically savvy and it was not an interest of mine and I certainly didn't go to school for it. It was all a means to an end, including the song parody stuff. I don't read or write music. So, uh, you know. Is that true? Wow. No, I don't. Oh, that's amazing. I have a good, I think if I have a good anything, I have just a good ear and a good eye so I can envision things. Um you know, uh, and I know how I want the outcome to look. And so then I just go about trying to create that. I'm sure there are still things that I do technically or steps that I take in my green screen and rendering and all of that technical shit that someone who was who was more savvy than I would be like, you know, why are you doing it this way? But I, again, I'm mm-hmm. just I'm, I'm just doing what I what I taught myself. And I've stuck with it because it works. But yeah, that was never the technical part of it has never been really of interest. Although I do love the editing. The editing is is one of my favorite parts of it. Yeah, I actually I find uh, editing it's it's very I I did it very briefly, but I I found it sort of um, meditative. It is it's it's like incredibly creative, right? Yeah, incredibly. It's the it's the most creative. Meditative is the best word, uh, part of the process, because it's like putting a puzzle together. You know, I have this vision in my head and now I get to sit and just put the pieces together and it's fun. So can you talk a little bit about the whole process? I mean, obviously, you, I assume you come up with the, the song first. Um, right. Or am I wrong? I think yeah, that's no, what uh, usually I'll come up with the song first and uh, that's the that's pretty easy because I think in show tunes. So it, that's usually the first thing I think right. of. Um, and uh, now I, I, I have added uh, two people happily to my to my process on the musical side because I tour now with a live show. And so my musical director, Jesse Kissel, um, uh, I come helps me with the, the music now. And, and I have a producer, Michael Moritz, who produced my album, my, my, my album for Broadway records. So now instead of pulling cheap karaoke tracks, which I used to do in the old days, and then just sort of winging it with the harmonies, I will gather with those two boys, tell them what I want. For instance, this gay, 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 gay parody I just did to the tune of Shy from Once Upon a Mattress. By the way, did you get that reference? That's like a deep dive for Broadway. That was a deep dive even for me. Yeah. But... It's obscure, but I knew it would be perfect. But in that case, I'll, you know, I'll watch the news and then hit the Zoom and say, and talk to Jesse and Michael and say, you know, Ron DeSantis is being an asshole. I want to sing. 
I want to sing shy. I want to be Carol Burnett, right? And it's okay. But can't we say that every day? We'll be here all day. But that's how the meeting begins. That's our agenda. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Ron DeSantis is an asshole. And I want to say I want to be Carol Burnett this week. And I'll tell them what I want. And I'll say, you know, Jesse, we got to say gay, gay, gay as much as possible. So let's come up with four part harmonies and lots of backups and oohs and ahs and blah, blah, blah. He'll go away and create my vocal arrangement. We'll deliver that to Michael. And then Michael, this is the exciting part for me because he uses real Broadway musicians who now now play, uh, you know, he'll orchestrate what Jesse comes up with. And then they'll create this musical track for me. So... These oh, little, that's awesome. These little homegrown parodies of mine now are uh, accompanied by a real Broadway, you know, musical uh, force, which is <laughs> thrilling. Oh, wow. So, so, um, but then they'll they'll deliver that to me. I'll record it. Michael will mix it, and then I will write the script, which requires, you know, I I kind of I try to go through it in detail. I, I'm always afraid I'm really being boring when I go through my process, though people are always asking it. So feel free to just cut all of this out. But I will, if there's an <laughs> interview involved, I'll do timestamps of that interview. For instance, Ron DeSantis, I will go through and sort of mark down the interview. I'm using all of the quotes that I would like to maybe mm-hmm. use or, or can potentially use and then turn that into a script. I'll add my half of the dialogue. Then I'll stand right here and record it. I'll film it, um, do my green screening and all of that stuff, and then I'll just edit for the next twenty-four hours. It it seems looking at them and and all of the uh, you know a lot of them have many many different characters and costumes. It how long does it take just just changing your clothes, <laughs> you know, and your wigs and your makeup? Yeah. The film, well, it just seemed- fortunately, I don't wear pants in any of these, so I only have to worry about <laughs> their strategically bust shots, not because I don't have perfect 10 gams, but because, frankly, that's it's a space issue. I mean, I don't really have room yep. to do a full body shot, but that saves on some of the, the costuming that I have to worry about. And the filming <laughs> is the most time-consuming part and changing the costumes and getting the takes I want and making sure everything is 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 set and ready to, uh, you know, to getting everything in the can, as they say. Well, it's worth it because, again, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of the very few bright spots um, that I think a lot of us have come across in the last few years. Um, do you, is it easier to find material about, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm curious what you're going to say, about Republicans or Democrats? Um, these days, certainly Republicans or whatever whatever that means now. You know, I mean, we have these, yeah. as, it, as I talk about in the book, people for four years started, you know, were saying to me, what are you going to do when, when Donald's no longer in the office? You'll have nothing to talk about, nothing for, to, to spoof. And as we know, that that is not the case. So there's a there's a there's a long list of characters to to draw from now. And not only is that not the case, but I I'm, I I find that insulting on your behalf. Like you know, you can only figure out stuff to come up with about Donald. Give me a break. It's yeah, I mean, listen, um, it's just made the process easier because when he was president, I he was he was turning out the hits. 
you know, every day yeah. it was a new headline and he would, he would just, so, so I would have to really turn stuff around overnight. I have just yeah. finally gotten some sleep after four years, I was able to finally take a nap. Um, now the things are, 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 are as batshit and horrifying. So there's plenty of, of material ripe for parody, but it's a little more ever topical. So I'm able to give myself a bit more of a production schedule and take my time on things, which makes it a little more enjoyable for me on this end. Right. Um, although that, that might be short-lived because, uh, as you say, things are getting increasingly crazy, dangerous, um, and scary. Um, but I, and I do want to talk to you about the prospects of, um, the midterms, uh, the direction the Republican party, but I should, that they've been going in this direction for a while, but they've, they've gone over a cliff. But before that, I, you know, how did you find out? I mean, this is a very, very closely guarded family secret. How did you find out that Donald's middle name is Jessica? I, um, I, I, you know, Ivanka and I are very close. You know that. Uh, yeah, I, do. She, I basically get all the, I get all the dish from Ivanka when we do our little, and me and, me and Kellyanne Conway have brunch every other Sunday. So she, she's been spilling the tea. That, by yeah, the way, that is, that is the, that is my bread and butter, that joke, that Donald Jessica, people, no, nobody has laughed at anything I've ever done more than, than just calling him Donald Jessica Trump. And I don't know why I can't, it was like, you know, I was thinking like Sarah Jessica Parker, that's what, that's what I had in my <laughs> mind. And so I just said it one day and thank God. Um, he's no kidding. <laughs> because he has been doing his best his entire life to hide that. Um, I'm actually shocked that Ivanka didn't make you sign an NDA, but... I don't really know Ivanka, everybody. It's, this is a joke. Because I'll get, I'll get hate mail. We I know, we're going to get we sued. I'm kidding. Although what I found, though, is getting sued is really good for book sales. Oh, really? In that so. case, Ivanka and I, she actually wrote the forward for this book. Yes, and you coached her for her testimony before right. the... Uh, Although it probably doesn't take that long to coach somebody to say, I don't know, <laughs> or I don't remember. Oh, God, help us. Um, all right. I, wanna, I, I don't really want to get serious, but <laughs> there is a lot, of, uh, a lot going on. And, you know, you, you commented, commentate on it in your uh, videos. And I think what that is so important because I think it helps people who maybe not aren't paying attention or just can't bear it. Um, it it gives them access to what's going on uh, without, um, you know, while being able to take a step back and laugh at it and and understand that even though, you know, you're finding the humor that there is something very serious going on underneath all of this, and uh, you know, one of the most troubling things has been the increasing intensity with which uh, the Republican Party, particularly at the state level, is going after LGBTQ rights. Um, do, do you have any thoughts about why that trend has been increasing? Um, any, any thoughts about how we can fight against it? Because it is, uh, you know, it's metastasizing. I know. 
I mean, a, a solution that's for that's for bigger brains than mine. I just sing show tunes. I don't know um, why it's happening. I don't know. I think it's you know there's a rise in in hate all across the board. Unfortunately, I mean, from anti-Semitism to LGBTQ to women to you know, ever it's it's horrifying. And I mean, you know, I think. Donald Jessica had a lot to do with that. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure it's been said many times on this podcast that he unearthed uh, a lot of shit. And it's now we're now seeing the effects of it. I don't know how you get that genie back in the bottle. I don't know. Um, but we've but he kind of made it acceptable to to to, you know, be completely uh, reckless and. You know, all this shit like this don't say gay bill and, and, and their language around it with the grooming and the pedophilia and the indoctrination and all that shit. It's all it's all just blatant dog whistle nonsense that they're that everyone's just trying to rile their base because that's what they learned to do from their Lord and Savior. And and unfortunately, it, you know, there's an audience for it. So I don't know. What do you think? You're smarter than I am. I don't know that that's true, but um, I think one thing I, I say a lot, and I partially I say it a lot to convince myself it's true or to remind myself it's true, but partially I say it because it's important to remember. There are more of us than there are of them. Um, what I grapple with, though, is why... is why Democrats always seem to be at such a, a disadvantage. Um, why we are living in a time that often feels like the end of history, I have to be honest with you, uh, where the Republican messaging of hate, cruelty, um, you know, kindness is weakness, um, divisiveness, et cetera, is, is more powerful than... Um, what the Democrats have to offer, which is inclusion and hope and um, making people's lives better. So you, your work is, is um, among the things that I think can help um, broaden, not the coalition, I mean, there, like I said, there are a lot of us, but you know, get the message to people who may not be hearing it otherwise. Um, because if we keep letting the Republicans focus on um, things like inflation, uh, which is a, not, it's, it's not irrelevant, but it's not President Biden's fault. It's just, it's a worldwide phenomenon right now. It's a post-pandemic, um, gl not glitch, but it's, it's the result of the pandemic that we're hopefully going to be coming out of, et cetera, et cetera. So you... You have a show now. You're traveling all over the country. Your book just came out. You're going to be doing a book tour. Um, I feel that like that's that's an amazing opportunity to um, unite people. Do you find though that your audience is is very partisan? Um. I've, I've, when I go out on the road, because, you know, having stood in a room for so many years and been, been, been isolated just doing this work, I finally hit the road and actually got to meet some of these people who uh, I've only met through social media. And 
I'm surprised by how how diverse it is. I mean, nine a lot more so than you would imagine. I I get a lot of people coming up saying. I'm a Republican and, you know, I'm anti-vax or, well, they, they're not anti-vax. They wouldn't get into my show. But they'll say that <laughs> sometimes online. You know, I'm totally against everything that you stand for, but I love your videos. And I try to, um, you know, while those people might not be the first on my list to invite to a dinner party, I see that as a good thing because I because perhaps I am inviting or, or perhaps they are inviting uh, some ideas that they might otherwise not have, uh, you know, thought for themselves or welcomed because this, you know, humor is, is a great tool. And but I but I will say I, that's not my that's never my intention. You mm-hmm. talk about, you know, my work being, uh, uh, you know, an opportunity. And I, I, and I'm, that's something I don't take lightly. And it's a responsibility that I am, that I am honored to have a little bit, but I try not to, to dwell on it. It's frankly a little too daunting for me. <laughs> um, I hope that there's a little seed of a message that comes through in all of my work. Um, but ultimately I, I'm trying, I tell myself your goal is to be amusing first and foremost and entertaining and bring some levity to these otherwise unimaginable circumstances. Now I'm writing this stuff and I am, you know, a liberal gay Jew. And uh, so I'm angry and opinionated about a lot of things. So that, that obviously comes through in a lot of the writing. Um, But I try to just let go and let God in, in that regard and not be on a soapbox too much about things not I don't set out to write resistance music or or you know protest anthems. They sometimes become that, and I am proud and honored by that. But that can't be my intention, is what I tell myself. Well, I I think that's why why your work is so effective, is because it's not agenda driven. Um, of course, the choices you make, uh, that the, the topics you choose. That, that could be seen as a political act. You know, you're not, generally speaking, you're writing and producing these videos about political figures and the often horrible, sometimes funny things uh, they're doing or, you know, people you admire. Um, but that's, that again, though, is, is uh, secondary to the real purpose, which is, um, I think, and this is how I've experienced it, um, to help people get through these incredible, incredibly difficult times by understanding, yeah, okay, things are bad, but it's not over yet. Um, There is still a lot lot of good in the world. There is still humor. Um, it, It... reminds us, I think, at sometimes the darkest of times that there is still a lot of good in humanity. Um, you know, I can't think of anything. One of the greatest things about humanity is is creativity. I, I feel like art is um, the purpose towards which we should all be striving, honestly. Otherwise, like, what's the point? Agreed wholeheartedly. And it's the most, you know, I, I, I've been so 
pleasantly surprised to see how you know it, it, how effective it can be in in, in touching people and uh, um, and yeah that's that's my goal that's that's it and that's that's instilled in me by my grandmother who is oh, I mentioned throughout the book she really taught me you know she shared similar philosophies with you know comedians like Joan Rivers and uh, which is you know it's never too soon to laugh and laugh at everything. And that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. we're being disrespectful or, or, or dismissive of the seriousness of the of the topic. But it's 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 like for me and people and and comedia, co- comedians and humor minded people, it's like a medicine. That's that's how we view it. It's here, take this. It'll help you with this horrible virus that we're that we're going through, so to speak. Um, but. But yeah, it's 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 humor and creativity that are, are 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 what I'm trying to, you know, put across more so than any any agenda. It's hard though because you get you do feel a responsibility, and this is not like when I, in the old days when I was doing videos about Kim Kardashian or, you know, Charlie Sheen or whatever. It, it, I didn't feel the responsibility I do now. Certainly, if I'm talking about these issues like the one I just did with Ron DeSantis. I do feel a bit of a responsibility. This thing could potentially get millions of views. And that is why I do insert more of what I hope is a little glimmer of a message or, or my opinion. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that brings me back to the, the second way in, in which your uh, story resonated with me. I mean, with this difference, of course, long before, uh, 2016 and, and COVID certainly, uh, you know, you were working in your, uh, chosen career. Um, as a so girl? it's, oh, I, I wasn't sure if you wanted me to talk about that. No, that was just a brief stint. That wasn't, that I did. Okay. So it didn't really have much of an impact on what no. happened after. No. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, Twitter, it's amazing how Twitter can sort of amplify things right. certainly um you know and i came out of nowhere like no as i said earlier nobody knew i even existed um but that difference aside um i think for both of us there has been uh this quite extraordinary change in um you know people uh who want to talk to us, people we have access to. I mean, and listen, you knew Stephen Sondheim for a long time, so obviously you're already chance. Chance. traveling in some rarefied circles. Um, but still, it, it did, uh, you know, open up a different world, perhaps. Um, and that that's not easy, uh, especially because things are so polarized that I'm sure, you know, you're painfully aware that you make one misstep or perceived misstep and, um, you know, all hell rains down mm-hmm. on you. So that's why I, I appreciate that you've continued uh, to producing the work you produce because I can't always be easy. No, it's, it's not. And I mean, are you, are you, if you're talking about, you know, how social media is changing and, and perceiving things, I mean, no, it's 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 mm. terrifying out there. And I'm and I'm a, a, at my core, a very shy, introverted, sensitive soul. 
So the the persona that that people see, who's who's you know, has witty retorts to to these political nightmares, and is breaking into show tunes all the time. That's me after a couple of drinks. Don't get me wrong, but it's not my nature to 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 be you know on all the time. And so that kind of attention on you, it can be as I as you know, can be a little unnerving. Certainly. So it's it's, it's, yeah, it's it's getting used to you know, and I and I have to take breaks from it every once in a while. Twitter, you know, is 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 more business than pleasure. You, back in the day, it was a little more of a a pleasure thing. It, now I, it's kind of like showing up to the office. It has to be. Yeah, as a as a fellow shy, sensitive, introverted person, I completely relate to that. Which is why, um, you know, I I can empathize with how difficult it is to have a platform and be willing to use it in a way that's positive. And um, because that's, that requires uh, a willingness to put yourself out there and leave yourself open. Um, More so than I really was giving myself credit for because another thing that people would say to me when I was touring was that you're so brave to put yourself out there like that. And I guess I'm just, you know, blissfully ignorant or just, terribly naive. I know I am those things. Because I was like, why? I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm saying what a lot of people are saying, but I guess I'm, I am amplifying myself or I've, I've become okay with doing that. But then when I take time to think about it, I'm like, oh shit, that is, that is brave for me, to be honest. Uh, Because I, yeah, that's not my nature. And with your the publication of your book, you're going to be out there even more because uh, you're doing a book tour, which is so great because um, both of my books were published at the height of COVID. So I never got to leave my house. But that's guess, okay. what? guess what? Guess whose book tour you're going to do now, Mary Trump? Oh, tell me. Me? Can we, oh. can we say that? We- yeah, of course. I'm so excited. No, seriously, this is... One of the only things that will get me out of my apartment. I'm so I, I cannot wait. It's uh, next Thursday, um, April 28th, I believe, that in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Me and you. Um, you and me. Um, hanging out, talking about your book um, and whatever else comes up. Um, I'm really excited about it. I am so excited for you. Uh, you should be immensely proud of of all of your accomplishments, but also this book, which I, again, strongly encourage everybody to go get. Um, oh, by the way, when does the, um, I'm assuming that you read the audio book. I did. I narrate the, the whole audio book so that, Mary, so that um, well, Mary Trump and or Patti Lapone can do a web series where they lip sync it. Oh, we're both gonna we're both gonna do that. Maybe you can do like a. We're gonna do it together. Okay. Yeah, um, and then you know maybe we can all hang out in New York and listen to me. We are doing that. You know, you know, Patty fucking Lapone. That's how she's listed in my contacts and my phone. Uh, she's mm-hmm. now we're now friends. You know, we go to lunch and everything on the Upper West Side. Yes, and so alfresco dinners, uh, of course. Hello. There's a chapter called Patty fucking Lapone. Um, so we 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 got it. We have to have this this thruple. I must. I, I insist. <laughs> okay, if no, you insist, we don't have to go quite there. But at least I want to have a couple <laughs> drinks. 
with Mary Trump. I have to be completely honest with you. Like the idea of that <laughs> is theoretically just the most wonderful thing I can imagine, but it's also a little terrifying. Really? Um, uh, good. Well, I you want, know. It's good to face your fears. I guess, which is what I'm doing on uh, next Thursday, <laughs> April 20th, because I haven't left my apartment in two years. Well, I'm, um, I'm but seriously, more honored then that you would do so for me. Thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate the invitation. Again, I'm so grateful for you, for your work, um, that you're willing to come on today and talk. Uh, you know, your story is fascinating. Your work speaks for itself. Uh, Randy Rainbow, thank you for everything, including that tweet, which is, again, one of my favorite things ever. And uh, I'll see you next week and stay safe. Sounds good, Mary. Thanks. Love you. Bye. You too. Before I get to your questions, I've got some quick hits. Um, we've got some new COVID variants. Uh, the latest one seems to be quite contagious. I can't tell you how many people I know who are fully vaccinated and boosted who are getting COVID and getting it badly. Um, you know, they're not getting hospitalized, but they're getting hit hard. And I just want everybody to remember that this is not over. And even if you're vaccinated and have a booster shot, not only can you still get COVID, you can get long COVID. So it is not worth the risk. Be safe, wear a mask, get your second booster shot, which I just did on Monday, and um, stay away from people who refuse to do the, the slightest, the, the minimum to keep other people safe. Seriously. Uh, don't fly any airlines that have listed that mask mandate. It's, it's, it's quite despicable. Uh, also, I you know things in um, between Russia and Ukraine are, are terrible. Uh, we're hearing that Russia is saber rattling. They're threatening to use uh, targeted nuclear strikes, and every time Russia threatens to escalate or actually does escalate, the Allies say, "Okay, well then we're going to give Ukraine even more, or we're going to put." Uh, even more sanctions on Russia, or we're going to start seizing even more property from the oligarchs, uh, the Russian oligarchs. So my question is, why don't we do all of those things right now? Pretty simple. Uh, <laughs> finally, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, the odious Marjorie Taylor Greene, I, that's pretty much the only way we should be saying her name. The odious Marjorie Taylor Greene has to testify in court under oath, and she's freaking out. Cannot imagine why. I hope she either pleads the fifth or commits perjury because she needs to go. All right, let's get to your questions. If you have any, don't forget you can always email uh, your questions to me at mary at politicon.com. And I will get to as many as I can. First up, we have from Susan. Can you talk a little bit about some of the most important races and what we all might do to help? Uh, not yet, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I can I can tell you I can speak about that broadly. Uh, the most important races are those races which have electoral significance. In other words, um, races that are democratic races that are uh, threatened 
or I should say Democratic candidates who are incumbent, incumbents who are threatened, or um, close races that Democrats can flip from red to blue, and things that, that kind of fly under people's radars. Uh, Secretary of State's races, uh, races that will determine who is running elections in every state. We cannot take our eyes off of the ball there. Uh, that is one of the main reasons I started a PAC. We're looking at the whole map and we're going to help you guys understand what are the most important races to donate to or volunteer for. Uh, from Alex, in your opinion, do you think the Democrats have any chance of maintaining the House in the midterms despite all the lies and treasonous activity by Donald and the GOP? Yes, yes, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be starting a pack. Um, I wouldn't be doing any of the things I'm doing. There are so many people who wouldn't be doing what they're doing if we didn't think there was hope. There is a lot of hope and there is a big chance. We just have to keep fighting and we have to counter uh, Republican lies and slander the way that uh, Mallory McMorrow did. Just with righteous indignation and righteous anger and the truth and facts. Uh, from Gail, how do we get young people inspired to vote in the midterms? I can think of a couple of reasons. Um, Biggest one is cancel student debt. Do it now. I'm, I don't know enough to understand why that hasn't been done or why it's even an issue. But it seems like a no-brainer to me. Cancel student debt. There, the problem with a lot of things that Democrats would like to do is that they're stymied in the Senate by the fucking filibuster. President Biden, on the other hand, can do certain things through executive action. So that's one. Uh, the other one, uh, and again, I, I apologize. I don't know if this is president uh, under President Biden's control, but um, marijuana needs to be legalized nationwide. I have to be completely honest with you. I hate pot, <laughs> but it's it's no worse. And uh, in, in some cases, you could say it's less dangerous than alcohol. And, um, you know, who cares what I think about whether it's, you know, good or bad, it should be legalized. So those are two very simple things, I think, that should be done. Uh, from Dave, should the Democratic Party file a defamation class action suit against uh, Green and others throwing around the term pedophiles? You know, I don't, I don't even know if that's possible. Um, but again, as State Senator Mallory McMorrow has taught us, you do not let those things go. You fight back against them vehemently with passion and you expose these people for the liars they are. That's it. Fight. Uh, from Leslie, what is your elevator speech definition of democracy? Oh, okay. So basically, uh, democracy is a system in which all people are equal. All people should have the same rights. All people should have the same right to vote, should ha to have their votes counted, and to vote under the same circumstances. By which I mean, some of us shouldn't have to wait 10, 12, 14 hours to cast a vote, while the rest of us... Um, 
aka white people, can vote in two minutes. I swear to God, un- until 2020, I never had to wait in line to vote uh, for more than five minutes in my entire lifetime. Can't imagine why. Uh, so, you know, that's my my elevator definition of democracy. I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of stuff, but it's a good start. From Jane, after your session, I wonder why I never hear career political strategists ask the question, what have Republicans done to earn people's vote? Yeah, good point. What are they? What do they stand for? What are their policies? The Republican Party is a party of fascists, first of all. Secondly, the Republican Party is policy-free. They have absolutely nothing to offer the American people. They are the party of grievance, they are the party of hatred, and they, they are the party of division, period. Okay, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Mary Trump Show with me, Mary Trump. And thank you to my guest, the glorious Randy Rainbow. Um, I can't tell you how excited and terrified I am to join him uh, next Thursday in Philadelphia for uh, the Q&A for his book tour. Um, you seriously, please buy his new book. It's called Playing With Myself. And it really, it really, really, really is fantastic. Uh, this show is live every Thursday on YouTube. It's 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time and 4 o'clock Pacific. Uh, don't forget, every Tuesday... We also have uh, the Mary Trump Show strategy sessions at the same time on YouTube, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And that's politicon.com, sorry, youtube.com slash politicon. Uh, And on Tuesdays, I have a brilliant panel, people who really understand what's happening uh, in this country and who will help us understand what's at stake in the 2022 midterms and how we can make sure that Democrats win big in 2022. So again, go to youtube.com slash Politicon or type Politicon into the YouTube search search bar. You can also look for the link in our show notes to get the live stream. So please make sure you follow Politicon on YouTube and like the show. Uh, And don't forget, every time a new episode drops, if you, I always get the hand wrong, if you click on this bell, you will be notified. So, you know, don't get behind the curve. Make sure that you are up to date on new episodes. If you have any questions, again, you can email me at mary at politicon.com. You can also look for the address in the show notes. Uh, You can also listen to The Mary Trump Show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please don't forget to give us a five-star review. It really, really, really does help other people find the show. That's it. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you guys more than you know. I love your comments. And uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. So in the meantime, stay safe and be kind. <laughs>